Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 127. And this is going to be a great episode. I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the best, I think. Uh, got a great guest, great topic. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You've already probably read it about it and you already know. But before we go there, I want to introduce a new short little segment of Almost There. I'm going to take a Kickstarter project that's almost ending, almost funded, and just share it with you and say, hey, take a look at them. I don't have any affiliation with them. I just found them and I thought it was like, like they were nice and they're close. So the project is called Haventude. They're publishing a young adult anthology featuring the notable works of Latino authors from the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, they are 97% funded with two and a half days to go. So this project ends on March 2nd. If you're listening to this podcast after March 2nd, it's too late. You can't help out. But if you're listening to it in the next couple of days, uh, go take a look at them on Kickstarter called Haventude. Uh, J-U-V-E-N-T-U-D-E, Growing Up on the Border. Take a look. They've only got 21 backers. They're only trying to raise $1,000. So give them a little bit of love. Our sponsor is going to be me again. We're getting close to a lot. Think of that this is like Pledge Week on your favorite um, public radio or uh, television station. We're getting close to launching my Kickstarter project, and it's to help raise funds to do a lot of things with this podcast. For example, with 127 episodes, it's getting harder and harder to categorize and track down all those great that great content. I'm looking for ways to do that. So that's going to be one of the goals that we have for doing the podcast is to find ways to make the content more accessible to people. So keep an eye out. Go to GameWhisper, thegamewhisper.com, register for my newsletter, and you'll find out more information. Now. Let's go ahead and turn to our great guest. My guest today is rather unique. I don't think I've ever had a guest in all of our 120 plus episodes that quite has the unique perspective on Kickstarter as, uh, as he does. His name is Neil Singh. He's an attorney and partner with the Turnoff Law Firm in Scottsdale, Arizona. And he has gained a bit of, uh, I don't want to say notoriety, but he's certainly gained a bit of a media attention because he um, was a Kickstarter backer. The project failed. He decided to do something about it, uh, filed a lawsuit, I guess, and he's going to explain it to us, and uh, the rest made a lot of news. So I'm going to welcome Neil. Welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Thank you. So uh, so for, my, for our listeners, let's just kind of bring them quickly up to speed. You're, you're an attorney. You uh, found Kickstarter. Why don't you tell that story? I know you've told it a million times already for all the media that's covered you, but kind of fill everybody in kind of what happened. Yeah, basically what happened was uh, I found the Kickstarter website. There was a product called the Hand-Free iPad Stand, which I found on the website. And, and along with about 439 other people, I thought that it was kind of cool. The price advertised for it was originally $50. And uh, after signing up, the price went up to $70 because the project creators wanted to include a $20 shipping surcharge. And that was for people in the U.S. It was even more for Canadians and even more than that for Europeans and, and people outside North America. So I signed up for this. Uh, all 440 of us were waiting. You know, we paid our funds. We waited for months and months. We, st- we started, we were getting updates, but they were kind of flaky. People were beginning to get aggravated. And then one day we got an update that basically informed us, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very sorry, but the project is a failure. We're not going to be able to complete 
the units and you're not going to get your hand-free iPad stand. So that was bad news. Okay, so at, at, and, this, at this point, not, not to, to break your train here, but at this point, yeah. most yeah. of our listeners have probably been in that exact situation with a project that they've backed. So not actually okay. that uncommon. So project failed. I, put, I gave my money, project failed, they didn't deliver. So that's happened. Right, right. So and that's true, and that's what happens in in you know in this world. People are taking risks, and and sometimes you succeed, and sometimes you fail. The problem is what we were told next in this same update, which is oh, and by the way, we don't have any refunds at all. And everyone was just stunned. I mean, we were all stunned that uh, the total amount of money sent to these project creators was thirty five thousand uh, dollars, thirty five thousand and four dollars. And that's a lot of money. And questions obviously started being asked, you know, such as, you know, why can't you give us refunds? Can you give us partial refunds? How are you going to handle this? Uh, you know, a lot of questions were being asked. And the project creator, I would say, basically panicked, didn't really have a plan for how to deal with all this. And at some point just went into radio silence. Okay. So he talked yeah, go ahead. So, so just – and again, uh, for clarity of our listeners, all of these comments and everything were in the traditional – on the update pages and on the comment sections of the Kickstarter page. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean if anyone was interested enough, you can go to the hand-free Kickstarter page and read the actual comments page and pretty much get the full chronology of how this transpired. Okay, which again – Many of the uh, backers uh, are familiar with that, yeah, uh, something goes silent, they can't figure it out. But then things got, took a different tact, which is why you're on the show. Yeah. Then what well, happened? Well, basically, you know, we were promised a, time, a, a timeline. We were promised a plan. We were told that uh, he was, you know, the, the creator, whose name is Seth Quest, was going to give us some sort of an idea of, how he was going to approach trying to issue refunds. And I personally was the, was one of the people who suggested that, you know, maybe if you have only some of the money left, then at least give us an accounting, let us know how much is left. And then you can divide, you know, that amount proportionately by all 440 people, at least will some, you know, people will be able to get a partial refund. And, um, you know, so those are all reasonable plans, I thought, but he just went into radio silence. So no, no response, nothing. No response, nothing. He, he just began ignoring emails. He began ignoring the messages on the comment board. People started getting pretty angry. And I, I just decided that enough was enough at some point. And I filed a court action in what's called justice court here in Arizona. And just uh, this is important because of the way that's been reported in the sure. other media. What I was seeking in this lawsuit that I that I filed was seventy bucks. I wanted my refund back. I wanted my uh, you know my amount back. I was not suing him for you know eight thousand dollars or something. I mean I I wanted my money back. There was another Arizona plaintiff who who joined with me. Um, so we wanted our seventy dollars back. So this this was also want, but but yeah, this, go ahead. This wasn't a like a class action suit where you're representing all four hundred people. Correct. I mean, I just decided that I was, I'm, I was too busy. I'm not a class action litigator, and I'm not sure that the economics of this would work out for class action anyway. So at least if I can't get everyone's money back, at least I can get a story. At least I can get the answers to what really happened. Uh, uh, 
the so, radio silent. Okay, so yeah. it sounds like you wanted. You said that you just wanted your seventy bucks back, but really, it sounded like okay. He had pushed you beyond a line that you were reasonable with, and now you were going to c- kind of push back. Well, I guess by my personality and by my profession, I, it's <laughs> just by nature. If somebody's going to hide something from me, I want to go and find out what it is. Okay. And so what? Know, ha- so, so what happened? So what happened? So I so included in my court action was was a request for what's called an accounting, and that would uh, seek you know documentation showing what exactly happened with our money and how it was treated, how it was spent, and where it was spent. And I also wanted a declaration to clarify that we were customers and that we were not investors or we were not this kind of gray, kind of shady, you know, back and forth definition of investors or whatever it was that FeathQuest and some other people were asserting we were. I mean, when I looked at this from a lawyer's point of view, there was a very clear offer of a defined product for a set price. And if you paid that price, you know, there was a contract for that pro- product to be delivered to you. So that so, makes the customer. Sure. Yeah. But, but honestly, um, Neil, there are 4,000, 3,800 new projects on Kickstarter every month, every 30 days. And there's lots of, not lots, but 40, 54% of them fail to fund. The other 46 fund, but oftentimes there's all kinds of problems. Are, are you telling me that each Kickstarter project, if they see your name show up, that they should be afraid as a backer? Their name sh- your name shows up as a backer on one of their projects. Or suddenly, do they need to be afraid that all of a sudden they're going to get some kind of subpoena or some kind of lawsuit against them because they don't do things the way you want them to do? Because we're only talking $70. <laughs> well... Look, I wasn't trying to get him to do things the way that I wanted. You know, I guess you could say that about wanting my money back if you're not going to, you know, give me what you said you were going to give me. Sure. And I think what happens with this Kickstarter debate that I've seen go on is the argument that, well, it's Kickstarter, you know it's a risk, so on and so forth. You know, you could have, you know, you knew that you're possibly going to lose your money. The bottom line is, you have to stick to your promises. And if you make promises, you know, this isn't, this isn't complicated legal analysis here. If you make a promise, then you have to be accountable when you break the promise. It's that simple. And if you can't, if you're not in a position to make the promise, then don't make it. Then don't tell people that if you send me money, I'm going to send you this specific product. Okay. If you want to offer them something more vague than that, then that's what you should do. You should say, send me money. And if I'm able to live up to your expectations, hopefully I'll send you a reward. Okay. That's, that's a lot different than saying, you know, <laughs> it's, send it's, me money because I'm going to give you this cool iPad stand. So that's, that's all, I, totally all I have to do is put the word if in there, right? That's, that's what it sounds like to me as a, and, but, and I don't know the law. So if I make the, if, if everything works out, I'll get you your, I'll get you this thing that I hopefully will be able to deliver. Well, I'll put it this way, that, it, that if you, you were to use that language on your Kickstarter page, yeah. you would be in better shape than some of these failed Got projects it. where Got it. angry backers. You know, I'm interested. I haven't looked at all the comments. How did the other backers react? You, you said there were 400 of them. I assume that they started to see – I assume – I'm going to make an assumption here. Did you start to communicate this on the updates uh, – excuse me, on the comments, what you were doing? Well, 
we communicated on the Kickstarter page, but we also commun- we created a separate forum and we communicated internally amongst ourselves. All the four. Uh, so I also know. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, so you reached out to these 400 through, I guess, the comments page and said, look, I'm creating this forum. Come here. I'm going to talk about what we can do to get this guy. Well, you know, it actually wasn't – I wasn't so much – you know, I didn't really think that I should get involved. It just seemed like there were so many angry backers, and they didn't know what to do, and they didn't know where to go uh, and, and how to approach it. So I just kind of decided, you know – I mean, I kind of have an idea sure. of what the, what the relationship is between – these different entities, you know, Kickstarter and the project creator and the backers. Sure. And I have the ability to read, read the terms of service and all that stuff and, and how these things work. So I just decided to take the lead. And I can tell you that, you know, approximately 80% of the backers, um, at least 80%, wanted their money back from Seth Quest. Okay. And, and, and for so, instance, so you know, we, we have a few minutes left, but, so, but I have another question I want to ask, but let me just short jump to the end. Did you get your money back? I never got my money back All because right. Seth Quest declared bankruptcy as a result of not being able to pay the $35,000 back to everybody else, in addition to credit card liabilities and other debts that, that he had. So and, this and is the way that he ultimately uh, decided to deal with it. All right. And so we won't go into – he's not here to defend himself. We won't uh, attack him there. What we do want to say, though, is that what you're sharing is – there are some warnings, I guess, to take back a little bit about my, I wasn't delivered sarcastically here, but the idea that be careful, don't overpromise. I hear that's what you're saying. Um, what did you, because you did say that there was something you did get from this that was actually quite enlightening. Well, what was enlightening was how poorly prepared Seth Quest was in order to actually accomplished this project. And, and let me tell you that, you know, you use the term attack Seth Quest. I actually, I wish Seth Quest the best. I'm sorry that this happened to him. He's a young guy and I hope he, he learns his lesson from this and goes on. The, I think the lesson to be learned is that, you know, you can't just make a couple of YouTube videos, make a few drawings, stick them up on Kickstarter and suddenly be the next Steve Jobs. It's not going to happen. You have to have a business plan. Look, I'm a lawyer. I don't pretend that I know what to do in the world of business. I'm not an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs do things that I could never do. You need, you can't substitute for that knowledge and experience. You need people who know about accounting, about finance, about the business world in general. And uh, like I said, there's no shortcut to just being the next Steve Jobs. You have to get your ducks in a row in order to execute a plan like this. Got and and Seth, Seth didn't know that, and and, and how do you know, result, how do you know that? I know that because of the documentation that I received as a result of the court action that I filed. I was able to get emails and all the letters and and all the agreements that Seth was trying to reach with you know his designers. I, I have all that stuff, and I could see that he just it just made no sense. It made no business sense. I mean, our money was gone, you know. It, it had no chance of surviving the way he had approached his plan. Okay. And so that, that places you in a position of saying, oh, and, and I hear now what you're saying is like, look, the, the guy got over his head. He did some do, stupid things. Your intent, and the media has spun it this way, your intent was not to bankrupt him. And as it's been made clear in several now articles that have been published, 
let me change that question. There has been a lot of press around this. And I have followed this story for a while. I reached out to you a little while ago, and, and I, I wanted the kind of the hubbub to die down before you and I talked so that we could have a conversation that was kind of a little bit away from the circus that was going on. But there seems to have been a really odd shift in the coverage of this story. And, and I was going to ask you if you've seen it from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I'll, I guess I'll tell you, I'll, I'll put it this way, that I was a little perplexed by the reaction not necessarily of the press, but of the comments to some of the articles. And it, the bottom line is that somebody took $35,000, which is a lot of money. You know, if you think about it, people have to work pretty hard for an entire year to earn enough money to, you know, to earn $35,000 that they can just put, put aside in the bank. That is a lot of money. And he walked away with it. We have no idea what he did with it where he spent it. And what I'm perplexed by is the attitude that I guess I am the bad guy and the other backers who supported me are the bad guys for wanting him to be held accountable. And, you know, that's fine. I I have thick skin. I I went to law school. I'm a lawyer. I couldn't be a lawyer without having thick skin. But, um, you know, if the law says that if you take somebody's money and a contract was formed, you're obligated to return it. It's, it's black and white contract law. So, And now you've kind of gone through this experience. This was your first <laughs> Kickstarter experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the question is, and I've seen other uh, media ask you this question. All right. Are you burned? Are you burned out? On, you're like, okay, I'm never going there again. Well, yeah, I have been asked that question, and I've given it greater thought, too. I would, I would not give to a Kickstarter project unless I understood exactly who the project creators are and what their business plan is, which of course means that a business plan has been formed in the first place, and how the finances are going to be handled. If I don't have an understanding of, of all that, then I'm not going to give to a, a Kickstarter project, and I don't think anyone with savvy really should either, in my opinion. Okay. It's interesting because you're starting to see uh, a maturation of backers on Kickstarter. There's still new ones coming in. A lot of new people like yourself that are finding Kickstarter, but there's also now kind of a bit more sophistication of, oh, this is what I should expect. I should make some accountabilities. And you can kind of get start to smell out maybe some of these ones that aren't quite uh, not legit. That's not the word I want to use. I guess I'm that aren't as, as well shaped and formed and prepared as kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. And they're not, they're not vetted, I guess. Yeah, I guess that, and you know, that's been, we're a little over time, but it's my podcast. I don't care. Uh, we're just going to keep going. And, and, and that is, um, that vetting has been a topic discussed this pod. We've been doing this podcast now since 2011. So quite a, quite a long time in the life of Kickstarter. And, but it's, that's been a question almost since the beginning. How can I tell if this person or this project is legit. And what would your answer be to that? How would somebody looks at a project and they're like, okay, I'm not that sophisticated. I'm not a business person, but I like this project. Do you have any uh, hints or suggestions or advice to backers that can help them maybe get a grasp of a better way of looking at a project? Well, I guess that's, that's part of the problem that exists when it comes to these Kickstarter projects. When you're making an investment which a lot of people you know, allude to when, when they get into this discussion, that 
you, you weren't buying something, you were investing. Well, if you're investing, you know, there are SEC regulations and state securities regulations uh, that require all kinds of disclosures. Yeah, you get into more trouble if you say you're invest if they're investors. That's that right? That just opens up this whole equity based crowdfunding that is illegal, right? And so if that's what you did, okay, here come the feds. Well, yeah, I mean, it is illegal. But I guess the point that I was making is that when you are when you are an investor, a potential investor, you're automatically entitled to a huge amount of disclosure uh-huh. about what exactly you're investing in. And that's not true when it comes to Kickstarter. There, Kickstarter does not require its project creators to put up basically any disclosure. I mean, you know, they've changed the rules a little bit so that now you can't put up project renderings. And uh, they've changed a few of their other standards, but for the most part, there's no obligation for a creator to describe what their business plan is, what their business background is, whether they have experience doing this in the past. But those are all things that I would look for before investing uh, any amount of money. Now, of course, some people still want to take the risk, and that's totally fine. If If they're willing to pay $30 or whatever and then potentially never see it again, you know, as long as they do that with their eyes wide open, that's fine. But um, if, if what happens is people get misled by the language that is put on some of these Kickstarter web pages, and that's what can be problematic. Well, you know what I'm going to do, uh, Neil? I'm going to have everybody start sending their uh, their Kickstarter projects over to you first, and and get that uh, Neil stamp of approval. That yeah, okay. That uh, <laughs> keep you're going to keep stay out of trouble there. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I certainly appreciate you taking the time uh, on a busy uh, afternoon to uh, sit down and talk to us about this topic. I know that you've gotten a lot of coverage, and I certainly appreciate you giving us some time to do that. Thank you, Richard. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Neil Singh. He's a partner in the law firm of uh, the Chernoff Law Firm in Scottsdale, Arizona. And the topic has been uh, basically the coverage of this where um, a backer decided they'd had enough, a project failed, the money disappeared, and they took it to court. And... Uh, uh, Neil uh, was kind enough to kind of share that experience. Hopefully you've heard something here. Usually I say something uh, inspiring. Hopefully you've heard something here cautionary, a cautionary tale that will give you a little bit of pause to maybe do a little bit more due diligence on your project because we're certainly looking forward to seeing you fund your dream on Kickstarter. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>